Alright, this is going to be a sort of um, tougher episode to record because it's one that uh, I've struggled with personally, um, very much so, uh, and it did a lot of damage to my life, um, as it does pretty much everyone it happens to, and that is addiction. Um, we're mainly going to be talking about drug addiction, um, however, uh, I also will be getting into um, how people who usually tend to have addictive personalities, um, it doesn't really stop there. Uh, if you'll notice, if you've ever had to struggle with drug addiction before in your life, um, you'll know that when you overcome that, and if you have, you don't ever really get over it. Um, you usually either replace it with something else, um, or you seem to come back to it. And why is this? Um, what is so hard to let go of to where we feel the need to sort of fill ourselves with substances or with um, things that sort of stimulate our minds or make us feel calmer or make us feel sleepy or make us feel more awake. So that's what I'm going to be getting into today um, and all of the above. Uh, so first I'm going to tell you about my struggle with addiction. Um, back in high school, uh, I'm 20 years old now, been graduated for a couple of years, um, been clean for a couple of years as well now. Uh, in high school, I was sort of like, you know, good kid, um, made decent grades, didn't really do anything. Uh, started smoking weed. Um, I had a lot of, you know, just energy. Uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD and just needed something to calm me down. I didn't get on medicine for said ADHD until I was about 16, whereas most kids usually get it when they're like five. Um, but it started, you know, like affecting uh, my friendships and everything. So, but whenever I'd smoke weed, it made me um, extremely paranoid and honestly more anxious. But I keep doing it um, because it wouldn't really make others around me that way. And so I thought that, oh, this is okay. I'm just, you know, tripping, blah, blah, blah. And this isn't like a rant on weed or, any or anything. If you smoke weed, okay. Uh, it's obviously not something that is bad for you um, on a medical level. But I will say this, um, and it's not really talked about with people who do smoke weed or really cared about. Um, I do believe it is best in moderation because even though weed itself is not addictive, and I'm not talking that I was like addicted to weed or that weed was the main thing. Uh, no, it was way worse than that. Um, just where I started, it wasn't like a gateway or anything. It was just the first thing I did. And I never even saw myself doing that, you know, because weed was very demonized for a long time. And that's the thing about it. It's that when you demonize something, when you make something seem so terrible and to a bunch of kids who are in like elementary school and they try it when they're older and say, hey, this isn't that bad. 
why were they lying to me? So if this isn't bad, and they told me that this other thing was just as bad, then that means the other thing isn't as bad <laughs> as they say. And this isn't true. Um, a lot of us were sort of failed uh, by the education system about drugs, by these over-exaggerated, um, you know, dare videos, and how, you know, in those videos, a kid would smoke weed and, like, his sister would start screaming. And then, because he'd, like, come in her room and start to try and kill her or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. Um, but what I was saying wasn't really talked about is that um, if you're under the age of 25, um, and I see it, like, in my hospital a lot, uh, if you are more at risk to develop... Uh, psychosis or schizophrenia um, if you smoke it before your brain is uh, done developing it can actually kick that in early and in some cases and it's not necessarily confirmed I don't believe in some cases it actually uh, can just cause it um, I see people come in all the time with uh, drug-induced schizophrenia um, or drug-induced psychosis and you would think they were out of their mind, and they had no previous problems before. Um, and usually what's in their system is not meth, not crack, nothing like that. It is weed. And it's very surprising, um, because you don't really hear about it much. And so I do think it is good that people are starting to understand that um, marijuana is not a, uh, an unsafe drug. Um, but like anything else, um, it can also start to overtake your life because it can s sort of become an outlet, uh, to, or a fits for everything. Anything that you use for a fits for everything in your life, uh, that you get, you know, sort of obsess obsessive over, even if you're not addicted um, it may as well be addictive. Um, so say if you just, uh, let's just say you're addicted to, like, your phone, which, honestly, most people are, um, and that can be terrible for you. Phones are obviously not a bad thing. You need them, right? But that doesn't mean that being on them all the time is good for you. So I think it should be noted that because it is not bad for you doesn't mean it is good for you as a person to <laughs> do it all the time. Um, because in a perfect world, in a perfect society where we didn't have to work, we didn't have family responsibilities, um, perfect society where we didn't have family, but a lot of times we get expected a lot out of with families and everything. Just the way sort of society is built um, is not really meant for drugs, uh, like psychedelics and stuff like that. And we'll get into that later. So stuff like weed, which in my opinion is definitely more psychedelic than it is. Um, stimulant, uh, so like weed, LSD, uh, shrooms, stuff like that. These are all things that are not bad for you. These are all things that you can do and be okay. Obviously, if they're real and haven't been, you know, tampered with or anything, 
Um, so that being said, however, it's that unfortunately we do just, especially in the United States, uh, live in this sort of world with expectations and we're expected to do something with our lives, correct? And so doing something like that, it can be very hard to not be seen from other people, family and friends, as just like a loser, correct? Uh, so say maybe you just want to take acid once, okay? You just want to have that experience. You want to take shrooms once. Um, what happens is, is that people around you are not, especially depending on where you live, I'm not going to really understand why, um, why you wanted to, because a lot of adults and everything still have it in their mind that these kind of stuff are just as bad as like meth, cocaine, or crack, or something like that, and so, um, because of that, they're going to just immediately assume you as just a druggie, and it hurts a lot of times. And so you feel sort of outcasted, you know what I mean? And so then that just results into you doing it more uh, and having a bunch of bad trips and everything and dealing with those bad trips by getting on other drugs and blah, 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 blah. So it does suck that it is like that. Um, so it's just really more on the person uh, with psychedelics and weed and stuff like that to sort of decide for themselves if that is something that they are willing to risk. Um, now, your family may be more open-minded, or your friends, or the town that you live in, but I know, like, being from a small town, personally, uh, if I was to <laughs> drop acid or something and tell someone, the whole town would know, and all of a sudden, no, that guy does acid. Um, because just it's just a lack of education, a lack of, you know, true knowledge in that area. Um, so getting... A bit away from that topic for a second. Um, what I was saying is that I would do it, but I kind of started becoming known as like a pothead because that wasn't really expected of me. You see, like, uh, if you notice, if you see like a kid who is sort of expected to do those sort of things, no one really says anything. It's like, oh, that kid's a bit more rough around the edges, so he, we're not going to really judge him as much for it. Um, and so I was a bit more, you know, I was on the internet more. Uh, I thought people were just as, like, open-minded as I was. Um, and so, like, I was aware, like, in 10th grade, like, we was not, um, you know, bad for you. So I didn't see the deal. Uh, however, people don't really care. It's just something sort of interesting for people to talk about, like, in conversation. Like, oh my god, did you know that you get this, or blah, 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 blah. And so this would make me very depressed, because I felt out outcastic. I felt like that's how people saw me. And especially, like, I'm from Alabama. So, I mean, you can only imagine just uh, the lack of understanding about it. And so because I became resentful towards people, my friends and family and, you know, uh, sort of outcasted myself because I felt no longer accepted. And so then I just started smoking more, correct? And I sort of pushed away from my friends and got into uh, bad friendships. And I can blame this on them. I can blame this on myself. Um, the point is, we were all teenagers. 
we had no, no one really had any clue. This was something that was just sort of completely out of everyone's control. So I figured it was, you know, best for myself to sort of back off a bit. Um, but, uh, and this is like the part that's sort of shameful for me to admit. Um, around 11th grade, uh, this is like some, this is why I decided to get into the mental health field. I met a dude who, um, I was, you know, lonely. I didn't, uh, I pushed myself away from people because I felt like everyone was pushing me away. So I guess it was sort of a defense thing. And that gives, makes yourself sort of a target for more bad people to come in. I met a dude who I later found out was a diagnosed sociopath. Um, <laughs> so we would smoke weed and everything, and I, w I would always have very bad highs, correct? But I didn't want to seem like a pussy, you know? Because uh, he was a shitty person. Um, but he always made me feel sort of pressured to hang out with him. And this is something that's not really talked about. You hear about abusive relationships all the time or, you know, um, things like that. You don't hear much about abusive friendships. Uh, that's something I started. You don't hear. You don't ever really hear someone talk about or say much about abusive friendships. You'll hear like they're a bad friend or they're a bad influence. Right. But. This can be a very serious thing, um, especially if you're at a point in your life where you have like low self-esteem um, or you have uh, or you're sort of like a people pleaser, that sort of deal. Um, there is this literal, literal like pattern um, to where you sort of attract people into your life based off of how you feel about yourself. So if you feel confident in yourself, right, if you feel secure in yourself, um, you're going to uh, sort of attract the same. Um, and you're not going to think much of it because you're secure in yourself and confident in yourself. So therefore, you're going to maybe uh, attract more, you know, uh, love interest, more uh, or better friends, better influences, that sort of deal. Um, whereas if you feel more less or less secure in yourself, if you feel less, um, if you don't feel great about yourself, if you don't, if you don't know yourself, um, or if you actually care about knowing yourself, because sometimes people who are just more secure and confident in themselves don't really care about all that. Uh, so caring about knowing yourself and um, knowing who you are and knowing more about the world and the things around you and spirituality, whatever, uh, you are going into a rabbit hole, you know, and you can go so deep in there. So of course you're going to come across things that are very scary. Uh, you're going to come across people who are very, um, who wish to bring harm upon you, whether physically or mentally. Uh, and a lot of times the whole low self-esteem and everything, it isn't your fault. Don't think I'm telling you that uh, it's your fault you're attracting these people because uh, you're somehow, um, because you have low self-esteem. 
and you should just be more confident in yourself. It just doesn't work like that. Uh, sometimes um, we have, sometimes, most of the time it stems from our childhood, you know, if we had like abusive or emotionally distant parents, uh, if we didn't feel validated as a kid, if we didn't feel loved, um, if we didn't feel safe. Uh, it's like looking into a mirror um, and sort of expecting it to change. It's like when you try to sort of change your life or change yourself, you may, you know, get a tattoo or uh, get a new haircut. Um, so that way you can look in the mirror and see someone new, right? Um, but what's still staring at you is the exact same person. Uh, you didn't ever really change, you sort of changed what you saw uh, about yourself. Um, and sometimes that can work. Sometimes if you change how you view yourself, sometimes you can sort of, um, sometimes you can actually convince yourself that you are that. Sometimes it's just not good enough. Uh, and this may seem a bit off topic. I apologize. Um, however, I felt like it was necessary to talk about uh, how uh, the sort of people we bring into our lives or allow into our lives uh, can lead to this sort of thing. Because a lot of times we get blamed or blame ourselves uh, for addiction or for, you know, uh, what we do to ourselves, but influence is a huge deal. And this is why you hear parents and everything talk about their bad, get so scared if you know he have a bad friend or bad relationship, because we're very susceptible to, uh, to influence. Um, I'd never even, you know, like smoked or vaped or anything. Um, but now I'm still with the vaping because that one friend I was telling you about, um, I never wanted to smoke or anything. He was like, hey, you want to hit this vape? And it's like, okay, sure. And this can definitely just come out because maybe you just don't want to tell that person no. You know? Uh, this is definitely something that... This was a tactic of his that I later learned. Um, because I had no way of buying vapes, right? So... He was lonely, and this is actually another friend who was also sociopathic. I had just a trend, uh, this was like between a year period, I had attracted two sociopathic people into my life. And so I started feeling crazy, like there was something wrong with me. Uh, am I the crazy one, you know? Am I the psychopathic one? Um, you don't know who to talk to about that, it sounds like it's out of a movie, it sounds something, it sounds ridiculous. Uh, and later, eventually, these two people met because I thought it'd be a great idea for them to meet, and they would have never met because of me. Uh, so I ended up getting dragged into all of that. Like, one of these dudes would just show up to my house and just call me, like, hey, I'm here. You want to hang out? Because that way, like, what was I going to do? Say no, he was there. And uh, it was it was scary, you know? And uh, you don't want to say anything because you're scared of getting harmed. And then you hear him talk about how, like, he beat the shit out of these people and stuff like that. So it's like, oh, God, would he, like, do that to me? And I didn't have enough, you know, confidence in myself. I didn't feel strong physically or mentally. 
Uh, all I knew is I could get high with them and just kind of forget about it. So, but really, I was always at best like smoking weed and stuff when I was by myself or with a friend I trusted. I hated it in groups. I hated it with the wrong people. That's exactly what started happening. Because what weed does is weed brings up to surface the things that you are sort of dealing with or the emotions that you're feeling and it enhances it. So if you're feeling good about life, good about yourself, it brings that up. If you're feeling bad, back about life, it brings that up. Uh, back about yourself, back about who you're hanging with. And I could sort of feel the intentions of those around me who I was smoking with and it was terrifying because it was bad intentions, you know? Um, and so I felt stuck. I felt like in this trap with these people. So when I started doing that, you know, I started becoming more numb. I started cutting myself off more emotionally, I guess, to sort of adapt to the people around me. And so this was the part where I was talking about was getting sort of shameful because addiction can make you do things to where you don't think you would ever do, the lengths you would never go to. Um, I had never stolen from my parents. I had never stolen money. I had never stolen anything. Um, so my mom got remarried um, when I was about 17, and my stepdad had painkillers. Um, and so, you know, I'd always know, so I never thought anything of them. But like my friend saw him one time, he was like, oh my God, dude, has those? Try and get me some. I didn't actually ever end up getting him some, but guess what? I did get some myself. Because I tried it once, I didn't know what it would do to me. And so I would just go in there, he would just leave them out, grab a pill here and there, you know, every like few days or so to where he wouldn't notice, just to enjoy it a little bit. But then, you know, the thing happens where it's like, okay, well, if he didn't notice that, then he won't notice if I just get like one more, right? Then it became sort of out of my control to where I was just getting it to where he would definitely notice and I was sort of in denial about the fact that he wouldn't notice because I couldn't stop myself. Um, and so this created problems with their marriage when he did eventually notice because he was already sort of a paranoid person because he had been through stuff like that. Um, so like I would always deny it when they asked me. Um, always. So he started putting them up in safe and everything. But I would somehow like find a combination to it. Like I would get into it. I was that desperate for it. Uh, but I wouldn't take, you know, five at a time. I was basically taking it scheduled almost to convince myself that I wasn't like, you know, to a day, like once in the morning, once in the evening. It was weird. It was because I wanted to wake it sort of um, justify saying that I wasn't addicted to it. Uh, but I was ashamed of myself, you know, that I was doing that. And on top of that, I was addicted to it. So there you go. And I didn't feel like I could talk to him about it, you know, because hell, it's like, I felt like there would be more focus on the fact that, you know, I was stealing it rather than the fact that I was addicted. Uh, and rightfully so, honestly, like I get it. Um, because because it was completely uncharacteristic of me, but I was doing it anyways. And uh, there's so much into it, but I just wouldn't, you know, really have time. Um, but eventually, you know, when it was to the point where it was undeniable, 
car got taken away, phone and everything. Uh, so, but I was scared of stopping because I was scared of the withdrawals. However, eventually, you know, when I did lose access to it completely, um, I didn't really have withdrawals or anything. Like I said, I was sort of taking and scheduled and all that. But, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, and eventually, my grandmother came to live with us. And, um, because she had just gotten divorced and everything, and she had uh, Carnifin, uh these pills to help sleep, so I couldn't get access to his pills any longer. You can guess who I stole from then. Grandmother. And she needed those for her heart. And to this day, that is something I still struggle to forgive myself with. Uh, whew, shit. <laughs> Um, it hurt her, you know, when she found out. You go down there while she was sleeping and just go in her purse and, uh... <laughs> because, you know, with pharmacies, you have to take them as scheduled. And so, therefore, if you run out too soon, well, too bad. You can't get a restock until, um, you know, say if you have 30, then you, have, you can only pick it up 30 days after you get the pills. So she wouldn't be able to have them like, you know, a week before um, they would come and pick them up or, you know, be able to get it to her. And it obviously created a trust and resentment in my family. But I was going through such a hard time and I would be told things like, you have no reason to be depressed. You have no reason to be doing this. Um, but mine was less so depression and definitely more so just anxiety. Um, and my family has a lot of mental health issues. However, they don't really admit that to themselves uh, because they just weren't raised in a generation that really spoke about mental health. Uh, they didn't understand it. And so I had really no way to explain what I was going through. And I didn't want to talk to any friends about it because, you know, hey, I was doing this for my grandmother. <laughs> like. Um, but I realized later now, a lot of it was about the hunt for it. When it became less accessible, I became more focused in on it. It's almost like uh, my brain had just went back to the wild and just hunting and trying to get that animal, get that meat, you know, because I was starving. And uh, so it was just release all that dopamine whenever I just find, you know, that quote-unquote animal uh, to survive. Because, um, you know, it's very rewarding if something seems so locked up and you finally find it after hours of searching, you know? Um, I basically turned into Houdini with that shit. Performing magic to get some fucking uh, pills, you know? And um, I never bought them from anyone. I didn't even uh, really tell those, like, terrible friends that, you know, I was doing this. This was something that I was just destroying myself with, and I was going through a relationship then, so I had to hide it from her. And I didn't even tell her about it until, you know, recently. Um, and so this was just something I was just hiding and hiding. And because of the exact reaction I got when I did, you know, admit it or talk to him or... Uh, 
And so, because personally, I just need to sort of talk about those things, you know? I didn't need rehab. I didn't need, I just needed someone to feel like they cared like I was doing that to myself. And um, unfortunately, I never really got that. Um, so I sort of had to overcome that myself. And that's one of the reasons I'm, I created this podcast is because uh, it's for people who feel like they can't overcome those things themselves, um, feel like they can't talk to their family, uh, because sometimes you... They say all the times you can talk to family and friends, but sometimes it literally is just best not to, but sometimes it gets best too. And a lot of times we fear the consequences, and I definitely fear consequences, and honestly, maybe I got off easy. Um, I know some parents would do way worse. Um, but I never really let myself get off easy. That was the thing. I felt like I didn't really need to be punished because I already punished myself. And so that's not really fair because, like, you know, it not only affected me, it affected them. Um, so, one second, I'm filling up my cat's water bowl. <laughs> So, what's gonna say? Um, and I was always more so hard on myself, anyways. And it just showed me a lot of selfishness in me and things like that that what I didn't even know was there. And a lot of times when we feel ashamed about something, when we feel guilty about something, we try to turn it around on the person that we're hurting because we know we're hurting them. And we can't really admit to ourselves that of how badly we are hurting them. And so we want them to know that, well, we hurt more than them, right? Well, maybe so. But they still hurt. And they love you. And you love them. And so the important thing is there's a difference between not taking responsibility or there's a difference between taking responsibility and blaming yourself. It's okay to take responsibility. In fact, you are supposed to take responsibility for your actions. However, um, blaming yourself does nothing. Uh, blaming others does nothing. So just because I'm saying blaming yourself or others does nothing. Addiction is um, a, not a battle between flesh and blood. It's about that. It's a battle um, unseen uh, within yourself, within everyone else. And the thing that's so terrible, the reason I felt like I couldn't, you know, talk to them about it and stuff like that is because um, one, even though he stepped out had battle addiction before, there were still his pills, 
And obviously he's going to be depending on them too because they're his. They're my grandmother. Um, but on my mom's side, especially my mom who had never taken a drug in her life, um, and my dad who also is involved with my life, he was definitely more understanding about it. Um, however, he had never, never been personally addicted before. Um, but, you know, he was trying to be more understanding and see from my perspective. But what sucks the most is that when you are addicted, when you have been addicted before in your life, um, to people who are not or have never been addicted to drugs or don't get addicted to things or don't feel the need to feel that addiction, that previous addiction with something like video games or um, even masturbation, which we'll get into that in a minute, uh, is something that it's the worst feeling because you know, no matter what they tell you, no matter how they tell you, how much they tell you, they understand, um, they don't. And it shows in the way that they speak, the things that they say. They can never understand. And you can never expect them to understand. And so that's why I believe that it's best if you're going to talk to someone um, besides like a medical professional uh, or listen to anyone. It needs to be someone who's been possessed in a way by that demon of addiction. Because um, that's what it is. Uh, maybe not orderly, maybe not physically, but it is a demon. It's a powerful one. It's um, not orderly speaking, maybe. I don't really know. <laughs> but metaphorically, 100%. Um, and some people are born with it. I would say most people are born with it. Uh, everyone, you know, there are people more success, susceptible to it. Uh, however, and you hear all the time, don't create excuses. You know, you did this. Yeah, no shit. I don't know why I'm doing it. I don't know why I keep doing it. <laughs> uh, so understand that when if you have gone through it and your parents have told you things like that before, like, why are you doing this to us? Or you're so selfish. Um, it's a dick move. It's a dick thing to say. Um, not saying what they're saying is right when they say that, but understand that also they truly cannot understand um, if they have not been through it themselves. And I'm not saying that to say that they're completely bullshitting and that like you don't understand me mom no like I'm saying forgive them because you're gonna lash back and you're gonna say things you're gonna mean and hurt them even more forgive them because they were scared um, they were scared for you they didn't know how to handle it. They didn't know how. They didn't know why their son or daughter kept um, doing that to themselves. It wasn't really about what you were doing to them. And some parents, I can't speak for all your parents or friends or family or whatever, may just be, you know, um, 
truly selfish and thought about just how it was affecting them. Um, but I would say majority of parents uh, do put you before themselves. And so remember that, that um, let go of that resentment towards them. And it's hard because of pride. It's hard to be like, uh, um, I take full responsibility and I hurt you and or I hurt myself and I hurt you. And it's hard to just take all those blows that they keep giving you, you know, because you already feel like you've destroyed yourself so much and you beat yourself up so much and you're just sitting there listening to the people you love most doing the same to you. Just blow after blow from everything around you. But if you didn't take that blow to yourself, if you didn't blow yourself, wait, pause. <laughs> um, if you didn't beat yourself up about it, not saying that it is good, it is simply your mind's way of also caring about you and loving you. It's saying, it's trying everything it can to say, what the fuck are you doing? Please stop. You're hurting me and you're hurting you. Your body does the same thing. And so do your loved ones. It's uh, you're hurting me and you're hurting you. And you feel like that's all your fault. Because you hurt yourself, you hurt them. All because you just couldn't stop yourself, right? You truly had no control. Yeah, you can say you had control over that first. And maybe now, I speak in the past tense, but I'm sure a lot of you are probably dealing with this now in the shadows, you know, and don't really talk about every day just how much effect it's having over you. Um, of course you tried it once or something. You're curious, you're human. You ate that fruit that they said not to. <laughs> and it caused the fall of you. Fall of man. And, uh... Hmm. But that doesn't make you... A terrible person. It just makes you simply a person. And as I hit my um, vape as a little <laughs> reminder, A reminder, I don't know what I mean, but this is still an addiction I carry. I don't like that, do it, but I do. But I'm damn sure glad it's just this, you know. Um, 
because you know it's more advertised smoking and drinking is so therefore we shouldn't feel as bad about it right <laughs> but that's something that you can also become resentful about um it's easy to say like say your parents or friends you know judge you for it like oh my god you were on pills or you were on crack or cocaine or something like that um You then realize, wait a second, alcohol is like the second most dangerous drug there is. But you see it everywhere. You hear people joke and say, oh, I'm an alcoholic. Ha ha. You know? And you're like, you fucking hypocrite. You do the same thing, except yours is more accepted. You know, you feel like theirs is more uh, accepted. Because I personally haven't really had that issue with alcohol. Um, But I understand that... You don't really understand either. They could be very much struggling with that. Maybe yours is alcohol and drugs. Um, So with that, it's definitely more responsible of the advertising and, you know, just all the shit we see and the inconsistent advertising of buy these cigarettes or buy these vapes and then on the same fucking bots they put, this will kill you. (laughs) You know, it's... So how are you not going to fuck up? You fucked up. And was it your fault that you fucked up? I don't want to say yes and I don't want to say no. Because if I say it's your fault... People put a lot of put a lot of weight behind that word fault. Like it's your fault. You did this. You sure are responsible for it. However, you are all respons- you are also responsible for brushing your teeth in the morning. That's responsibility. So yes, you did the action. You went to hook it and you got hooked. But um, it wasn't simply your doing. You didn't know what you were doing. If you would have knew what you were doing, you would have never touched it. And you understand that. But you did, and so therefore you feel like, God, if I just wouldn't have. But it wasn't your fault, man. Um, And it's not anyone else's fault either. But it is definitely hard to resent when you see the hypocrisy of people around you. Or hard not to resent, I mean. And that they act like what yours is doing is way worse simply because they get told that it's way worse, that your problems are way worse, or that your addiction is way worse than them, like, you know, being on their phone all day or being um, addicted to going out with their friends all the time, spending all their money. Um, But... There's a lot of brainwashing. There's a lot of conditioning where we're growing up. And it's all out of fear. 
and people are scared, just like you are. So forgive them and forgive yourself. And if you are currently addicted now, um, and you feel like there is no escape to it, there's no method I can tell you to try and get clean. I'm not, I can't say, um, you know, just go, go cold turkey. Or I can't say just try and slowly get off of it. Um, have faith in whatever you believe or don't believe. Because understand that it is out of your control now. But let that be a relief. Because why would you want it to be in your control? Do you really want the responsibility of trying to do it yourself? So it's like, if I can't do it myself, who else is supposed to do it? Maybe you believe in God. Is God just going to do it for me? Or is my family and friends just going to help me? I just need to talk to them, have someone monitor me? Maybe. But if you feel like that doesn't work for you, the curse and blessing of an addicted personality, I say blessing, but it's more so to get out of it, is that if you, when you realize that your addiction can never really be filled, it can never really be gone, only replaced, you can replace it. Um, and this is only temporarily, of course. I'm not saying replace it forever. But what I found is that circumstances usually play out to where God, the universe, other people, something who loves you, someone who loves you will see in how much pain you're in and see that you can't save yourself. And you will be saved. You just have to let go of the blame and shame that is keeping you trapped further in it. You have to let go of thinking that you are a terrible person, thinking that this is something that is uncommon. Um, thinking that this is something that only bad people do. Because something I noticed with a lot of the patients who come in, um, might not even, a lot of them don't even have mental disorder. It's simply that they were just addicted to some sort of drug or maybe uh, it caused some sort of induced psychosis or something like that. Or uh, it just caused an overdose. Um, a lot of these people Or what I've noticed just from working just sort of in this space of where some of these people might have done terrible things in their life to themselves and others. But they are all the exact same in, the, in so many ways. The same way everyone is. When you put them in this space, when you put them around other people who 
understand them and they get to sort of bond with these people in a contained space where they don't have access to any of that. Um, and a lot of times this doesn't work for people either, but it has really helped a lot of people because when they are around others who understand and hate themselves too for it, they understand that they are not so different. So I understand why I say like, they're all the same, like all druggies are the same. That's not what I mean at all. I mean that they're all people. And when they're in there, their intention of sort of harming themselves or others starts to sort of fade because uh, when they start having access to that, it... When they stop having access to that thing and they go through that hell of withdrawal or they go through that hell of being without it, that attachment, they're okay. Like it only took them a couple of days, but for them it felt like a lifetime, you know? Um, but they move on. So I'd say that, you see, I wasn't exactly, you know, close to overdosing or anything. Some of you may be listening and be like, that's nothing. You didn't take really much at all. Like you took like, what, two or three a day? They got like the most, maybe like four, but like, you know, not at one time, sometimes two at one time. Um, my point of that wasn't really exactly the... Uh, fact of the addiction itself it was definitely more just how because of it I was hurting the people around me so maybe you've already lost you feel like everyone because you got completely um, controlled by this substance because you feel like you have nothing else and no one else and that that's the only thing there for you it's the same logic with a toxic or abusive relationship. You feel like you pushed everyone away because they made you. And you feel like it's your fault. It's not. The abusive partner manipulated you and gaslighted you to the point where it wanted you to be around nothing but it. It wanted nothing but your love. It wanted to suck all of the everything good about you and absorb it for itself. So take it back. Let it be known that you don't need it and run. <laughs> because sometimes fighting, sometimes it kicks your ass. Or maybe you keep running, then fight. You know, the best way to make a decision without the, uh, before the devil can catch up to you, 
as they say. It's the same way to like shoot a bow. You have to pull back the bow and release it at the same time, like that. It's when you decide that it's no longer what you want, you make that decision there and don't look back. This is uh, something that was in sort of the Old Testament um, when God says to uh, um, Lot's wife, who I believe later became uh, Abraham, um, do not turn back or you'll turn into a pillar of salt. And whether this was metaphorical for things like this, um, I still think it's sort of a good philosophy if you were to have. When you hesitate, when you try and think more of it, you are further going through the possibilities, the endless possibilities of what could happen and what might not happen. And you get more and more confused because you can never, you can never, um, Think about every possible scenario, what could happen to you. What you could never draw a big enough blueprint. You could never figure out how you're going to stop this, how you're going to prevent this. You can never really do anything right, but you can never really do anything wrong. You can just only do. And so if that's all you've been doing is doing and nothing's worked, let go. Surrender. It's like being uh, wrapped around a snake or a snake is wrapped around you and you try and fight out. You know, you try and fight back and it squeezes you tiger. Let go. Because when you let go, it might think you're dead. So it'll sort of release its grip. And as soon as you can feel it release its grip, you have two options. You can fight or you can run. Now, whichever option you believe that is, it's best for you because you know, when you fight, when you run, you risk it catching up to you. And when you fight, you risk losing. But what else can you really do? You got nothing to lose, right? Because you feel like you already lost everything. So look at it and remember that that is the thing that took everything from you. And trust me, you'll win. <laughs> So yeah, there's not much more I have to say. I wanted to talk about a lot more. However, um, this was way longer than I thought it was going to be because I just have more important things to talk about. I wanted to talk about more experiences I had with, you know, like psychedelics and stuff and things like that. Um, but I realized that wasn't very much so relevant to this. It was just something I wanted to talk about. So that'll be in another episode. I guess I just kind of tried to squeeze everything in since this episode was about drugs. Um, last thing I did want to say and talk about was how, you know, it can be replaced with something like uh, video games or masturbation or something. 
But understand that those things can be just as destructive as well or damaging. And what I was saying earlier about weed, how it's not addictive. Um, if you're someone who gets up, smokes weed, lays down, smokes weed, goes to work, smokes weed, go to school, smoke weed, um, that everything feels better high. No, you may not be addicted to it. But it is very much destroying you. And while it might not be the weed itself, it might just be the fact that it's something that you use to cope with reality. There is nothing you can use outside of yourself to cope with reality. The only way you can cope with reality is understanding that reality doesn't really exist outside of you. You think like you look at the sun, and you think that the sun shines at you. Like it shines sort of by itself, right? Because your eyes that light up the sun. Just as much as the sun lights up itself. Because of the way you view it. Because of the way that your eyes work and how it sort of uh, reflects light, how it sort of uh, gives color to objects, how it creates the perception of a shining, um, I don't know how to really scientifically explain it, uh, so I can't really use better wording, but the way you see color, the way you see flowers and everything, It's the same logic as like the whole, is a tree falling in the forest when nothing is around? Um, the answer is yes, because you're always around. And um, everything's here. And nowhere else. And you are here and nowhere else. So of course it makes a sound because it's like if everything is within you or maybe you believe that God is outside of you or within you. Oh, it's both. So if This uh, sort of collectiveness, everything that connects us together, whether you call it's him, she, God, which is just what I call it, him, um, whether you want to say the universe or whether you want to say, I don't know, Mother Nature or something, um, it's just, you know, hard nowadays to just, the word God carries a lot of weight and it's super annoying to, you know, try to have to explain myself, so I'm just not really going to anymore. Um, then understand that everything works together as a whole, that you are not alone in your fight, that 
the whole reason a plant grows is because of water and sunlight. A plant does not grow on its own. It has to be provided. And a plant doesn't worry about whether it's going to be provided for. It just simply is provided for. Unless interfered with. Unless it gets moved and gets put, you know, by a windowsill and it has to now depend on you to water and give it sunlight and all that. If you don't do it, it'll die. But that's because we're not very dependent. And the reason we're not very dependent is because we understand the fact that we are dependent. And that we depend on others and others depend on us. But the way nature works is that nature is dependent on itself and everything around it. Because just like us, it is itself and everything around it. Grows up by its roots, spreads out, creates all different forms, but it's all connected to the same source, just like you. So that source that waters the plants gives things sunlight, life, gives animals its uh, gives animals its instincts. Gives prey its camouflage to avoid predators. Gives predators its prey to be able to survive. That same thing is providing you. So even if you feel like no one can help you, that doesn't mean you're alone. You just gotta let it help you. And you don't have to even do anything to let it help you. You just gotta stop doing. <laughs> because whenever you do, of course you're gonna mess up. You have no clue what the fuck to do. <laughs> so let go. And thank you for listening. That's all. Goodbye everyone.